GoneMobile.io. It's Gone Mobile. Telerik UI for Xamarin is a collection of more than 70 Xamarin forms and Xamarin wrappers. A theming mechanism with a built-in predefined theme, predefined Visual Studio item templates, MVVM support, and more. The toolset offers fast loading, excellent drawing capabilities, pixel perfection, and stunning UI, all while providing flexible customization. One C-sharp project, three native mobile apps. Release your inner .NET Ninja and create awesome cross-platform mobile apps with Telerik UI for Xamarin. For more information or to download a trial, visit Telerik.com slash Xamarin dash Gone Mobile. Welcome back for another episode of Gone Mobile. How you doing today, John? Oh, not too bad. Just uh, watching the rain, working on my build scripts, thinking about eating some cake. How about you? Mm. That sounds like a very topical set of things that you have there. Yeah, let's let's just sort of get into it. So today, you know, as as the name sort of implies, we're going to talk about, as you might have guessed, a, a build system because we're talking about a project that ends in ache. Um, but we're going to talk about one that we haven't really talked about before uh, called Cake. And, you know, we're, we're excited to have uh, Gary Ewan Park and Matthias Carlson on to, to talk about it. How's it going, guys? Good, thanks. Yep. Happy to be on the great. show. Yeah. Yeah, happy to have you. Um, so let's start with, uh, you know, the, the big softball question of, like, like, what is Cake and, like, why do we need another build system? Well, so <clears throat> Cake is... Uh, basically a C-sharp DSL so you can write build scripts in C-sharp. And the idea by it was created was because we want something to be familiar with what the knowledge that developers already have. Uh, there are many build systems like uh, uh, earlier, like Rake and Fake and uh, the PowerShell version too. But often what you find is you, if you have like a foreign language for a build scripts, it won't be, it will be one guy that maintains it. So that was like the essence why it was created. It was something that the whole team with, uh, that already has C-sharp knowledge could, uh, could start and to participate and uh, to maintain. So, I mean, like how exactly is this different? And maybe a better question is how is this similar to some of these other uh, build systems like fake and rake and make and whatever aches there are? <laughs> like Jake's out there too, right? Yeah, well, in essence, there are task runners. So you, you have a definition of tasks you want to run. So uh, in that way, it's very similar to something like fake. You, you have your tasks and you have your, like the pipeline of dependencies, what you, what in what order you want things to do. So, um, I think they're very similar. But I think this, uh, what we have done, we have wrapped also tools for the .NET ecosystem and for the Xamarin ecosystem. So that's probably where we distinguish ourselves. We're very .NET friendly in that way. Did this come out of like a, you know some projects that you were working on where you were using other build tools and just finding yourself? frustrated or anything like that or is it just something that you know you were like well i want to just use c sharp for for everything well we didn't create it the creator of the was a guy called patrick svensson and he was working at the insurance company and uh, tried to introduce fake and he just ended up being the build server guy and if you're a consult <laughs> if, if you're a consultant you're gonna sometimes you want the people that are there to still be able to make and add stuff after so it started as frustration because you become the one guy so basically why the it was a self-fulfilling to solve his problem he started with that and at the same time Roslin came out and became open source so the idea is like the time was ready for something like that 
He was also a big time user of uh, MS Build as well. Um, so if you've used MS Build yourselves, it, it's good and it does what it does, but it's also XML. Um, so <laughs> you kind of have a love hate relationship with that. Um, so you kind of born out of that. And seeing what MS Build could do, he kind of wanted to incorporate that into C Sharp as well. So uh, it was a natural progression from there. So you, you mentioned that Patrick is the one that sort of kickstarted this project, um, and you guys have joined. And there's been sort of like I've I've had the privilege of, of working uh, on a little bit of cake myself and contributing a, a couple things here and there, nowhere to the extent of you guys, of course, but. Um, how did you guys sort of uh, all join together on this team, and and how how does this project run? Because it, it it seems like from my perspective, it's been a really interesting community driven project. Like a lot of people involved, it's it's really well run and um, really well organized. So can you talk a little bit about the history there? Yeah. So the, the first public commit and release was in May two thousand fourteen, and in June, July 2014, I started to bug Patrick. So I was pretty early adopter with like pull requests, commits, issues, and being like the user is like, I have need, can you fix this? <laughs> and I uh, started like, well, send a pull request. So I started doing that. And so I joined the pre project officially like in September 2014. So pretty early on. Uh, and then Gary can, well, in October. Yeah, so, so, so a little bit late. Yeah, so a little bit later. I mean, I'd been. Uh... I, I guess you could say I'd, I'd lurked on the Cake project for a long time and just kind of followed what it was doing because I was a long time user of, uh, I pronounce it Saki. I don't know how you guys pronounce it, whether it's PSAKE or Saki, but uh, I was a maintainer over there as well. Uh, once uh, James Kovacs and uh, uh, Damien Hickey kind of stepped away, I kind of picked up some of the, the mantle there because I, I was using it. And I was like, uh, Matthias was saying, I was that one guy who was <laughs> did the PowerShell build scripts in, in, in my company. So when I started seeing this Cake thing kicking off, that's when I got started getting involved. And because of my contributions to some other open source projects like sort of, uh, Git version and Chocolatey, uh, those things were missing at that time for me within Cake. Those, the, the, the aliases weren't there for those tools. So because those were part of my build scripts, I started off adding in the add-ins uh, and, and aliases to make that sort of uh, functionality available. So that's kind of where my uh, uh, involvement came in. And then I got introduced and brought on as a as a maintainer of the project as well. And since me, we've then brought on uh, some Australians and we've brought in some Finnish guys. So we've got <laughs> yeah. uh, we've got Alistair Chapman and we've got yeah. uh, I'm going to butcher his name. I, I call him Martin, but uh, maybe Matthias can say it better. Yeah. Uh, I don't so, know uh, yeah. So Alistair Chapman he joined in like September 2016, and uh, Martin Bjorkman the Finn he joined this year in April. So. Uh, so now we're a, a five-man strong team. So it's so Al also Alistair kind of started doing uh, some of the extensions for us. So he was very much involved in the Visual Studio extension and the Visual Studio Code extension, uh, which are kind of natural uh, progressions of Cake uh, in, from a tooling perspective. And then Martin's been hugely uh, involved in the uh, IntelliSense effort uh, in order to get IntelliSense working in some of the, the IDEs. Because uh, that's... From our point of view, it's never been a priority, but we've always heard from the community that they want IntelliSense, uh, and Martin's been doing some amazing work with the OmniSharp guys uh, to get that uh, work uh, almost to the point that we can uh, get that released. That's awesome. Yeah, and it's interesting to hear that you came from uh, the Saki. At least that's, that's how I was, I've always pronounced it, too. So, um, And if you were involved in the project, I'm just going to assume that you're correct just by default there. <laughs> Let's go with that. Um, yeah. <laughs> And I guess I'm also just going to have to assume that I should I should keep my PowerShell insults uh, internal to me if I have a PowerShell guy on the call here. 
Um, but did you find that that sort of colored how you approached uh, going into another build project then? Like, it, were there any ideas that you, you took from the sake project or, you know, mistakes maybe that were made in sake that you were able to sort of approach differently in Cake? So kind of as Matthias uh, kind of said, I mean, at the end of the day, it, it, they are just task runners. I mean, essentially what you're doing is you're stitching together the various different components of your build and you're you're putting them together in a logical order that means that you get a reproducible, maintainable build script. So from that point of view, there's very little distinctions. But I mean, there are certain things that you can do in PowerShell that you can only do in PowerShell because of the nature of how it works. Things like uh, cleaning up directories or deleting things, it's just easier because the piping that you can do within uh, the, the PowerShell scripts that you can create. Um, but there's other things that are, uh, well, what I was going to say was there are other things you can do in .NET. It's not just as easy because you kind of have to then reference the assemblies and get the object and do all that sort of stuff. So, so it's just easier in C-sharp. But I mean, at the end of the day, there's, there, there's a lot of crossover between the two, especially between the way that Saki orchestrated tasks and uh, disposes of objects and that sort of stuff. So there was very little crossover. It just meant that I could say to other guys on the team, oh, we need to extend the build script or the build script isn't doing something. It's just C-sharp at the end of the day. Granted, there's a little bit of uh, DSL magic, and we've got some uh, alias methods for certain things. But once you kind of grok that part of it, it, it is just C sharp. That's one of the common things in the Gitter channel is like, uh, how can I do this? I'm like, well, how would you do this if you were <laughs> writing a console application? It's kind of exactly the same, right? So uh, you need to reference a DLL. You just reference a DLL, and you you, you go for it. So, uh, so from that little point of view, it, it was sad to see me stop stopping using Saggy, but um, <laughs> it's it's. The, the wealth of uh, add-ins that we have now, it just if there's a tool that you want to run, it's just there nine times out of ten. Uh, I think we've almost got like 200 add-ins now in terms of tooling and uh, different things that you can put into your build script. So from that point of view, it's it's leagues a, ahead of where Saki is. But, so just um, to, to back up a minute, like before we dig into like all, you know, what the add-ins are, what aliases are and all this kind of stuff. Um, you know, one of the things that drew me to Cake was the fact that it wasn't PowerShell. And I mean, it's kind of funny uh, now that we have like a, a PowerShell implementation that we can run on Mac. So in, in theory, maybe we could do some Saki. Oh, and by the way, I, I mean, we should really call it P-Sake to match all the other rhyming <laughs> words, right? I mean, Cake, Cake, Fake, Rake, Saki. PowerShell like, always likes to be different, yeah, though. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right, I said I wouldn't do it. All right. <laughs> it's a GIF. <laughs> But so that I mean that's one of the things that drew me to this. And can you speak a little bit to to you know what platforms this works on and what exactly do I need to actually run a cake script? Like how does how does that get everywhere? Yeah. So if you can see that cake is uh, like both cross platform, it's cross environment and cross runtime usually what we say. And by cross platform, I mean it runs on a Mac, it runs on Linux, and it runs on Windows. Uh, and by cross environment, we may basically any build server out there will be able to run it. So if you run an AppWay or Bamboo, Bitpocket Pipeline, BitRise or whatnot, Travis, it should run there. And across runtime, it runs on the full .NET framework and Mono. Uh, it runs the .NET Core. So in that way, you have a pretty decent coverage of the platforms you can run click on. Uh, so I think that's like the big, we are available almost, like, almost everywhere. And if we're not available yet, we probably will be <laughs> when we get our hands on it. To actually execute a, a, a build script. So a build script for us is typically a build.cake file. So it's just a text file that has the contents of your script contained within it. 
And then what we have is a concept of a bootstrapper that will download the various dependencies that are needed to to execute that build script. So from a from a full .NET framework perspective, that would be a bootstrapper to download. Uh, well, we get into muddy waters depending on what version we're talking about, but essentially yep. it will download Cake.exe uh, if you're running on the full framework. And then the build script that you create will be patched to Cake.exe. It'll uh, compile it and then it'll execute that script. If you're running on .NET Core, then you use the cake.core CLR DLL, and then that gets invoked with the .NET.exe. So there's different ways of invoking the script, but um, the, the the concept is a bootstrapper, uh, which would typically be checked into your repository, and then you just execute that as part of the build. So whether that's being executed from Team City or AppVare or whatever else, you're essentially running that bootstrapper that then kicks off the rest of the process. But once you start getting fancy, which I'm sure Matthias can come on to later, you start talking about Docker images and you pre-create a Docker image that already has cake and all the dependencies on it, you just want to run your build at that point. So the possibilities are endless in terms of how you can actually invoke the build. Uh, but typically, it's via the bootstrappers that we have. Yeah, And one big difference, like with C-sharp scripting versus <laughs> other languages, is that it is fully compiled. The full script is compiled. It's strongly yes. typed. And it's also backed by the full .NET. So if, if it, like we said, if it isn't available in C, like in Cake as a wrapped API, you can always fall back to the full .NET or the .NET Core. And you will get like the same experience regardless of which SDK or framework or environment you're running under. So that's like the big difference for like, like interpreted languages can have like runtime errors. You won't have that in C-sharp scripting. Cool. So would you say that, that that's the normal sort of way of bootstrapping where it'll actually just pull down the, the XE, you know, over the network from, from somewhere else? Or do most people just, you know, pull down a copy ahead of time and check that in so that you can do fully offline builds or that sort of thing? Well, you can do both. Like they are available like on Chocolate D for Windows and on Homebrew. So it can be global available. But sometimes like if you want your like reproducible builds, you can like pull it for your repository. So you have it local for the repository, then you can have different cake versions for each repository if you like. And that can be called good for uh, like a build service scenario where you have few dependencies. So out of the box, the cake bootstrappers kind of assume that the dependencies are coming from the from the internet. Um, but via our cake configuration file and via modifying of the bootstrappers, you can actually um, make it so it runs completely internally. So I've actually got a, a video that was requested from a community member on how to modify uh, cake out of the box experience to to work offline. I just haven't got around to finalizing that yet. That'll be that'll be hitting YouTube at some point. So that kind of walks through that entire process of uh, making it run offline. Because ultimately, I mean that's that's the best way for organizations to do it, uh, so that they don't have a reliance on uh, NuGet.org or Chocolate.org. And we don't have the whole NPM left pad issue all over the place for your builds. <laughs> your, your builds just work, right? Yeah. Where's the fun in that? Mean, yeah, <laughs> and I mean, it, basically, like the default bootstrapper basically fetches the NuGet, and of course, you can have your own NuGet feeds. So you can have uh, like your corporate feed if you have something like that. So that's fully possible, especially now with the latest version where we have like Roslyn bundled with our because we unified against one scripting engine because. Previously, historically, we had also a monoscripting engine. Now we have one scripting engine that is bundled with Cake. So basically, it's just the NuGet package that you have on a feed. That's all you need to run your Cake scripts now. So if you have a NuGet package, you'll be able to run it. And, and just to be clear, um, the, these bootstrappers, like you guys provide these, and, and what are those exactly? Like what kind of scripts are those? So it's a Bash script for uh, the POSIX systems like Linux and Mac, and it's a PowerShell script for, uh, uh, for Windows. 
uh, basically. So, but you like as we say, people, you can modify them as you want, but it's a good starting point. There does seem to be a hesitation within the community that there's an expectation that the bootstrapper will always be modified to do every single potential conceivable different thing <laughs> in the bootstrapper. So what we've kind of we've we kind of pushed back and said, no, we don't want to make that bootstrapper overly complicated because ultimately it's trying to do uh, the best practice way of doing it or not the best practice, that's the wrong way of saying it. But this is the way to get you working out of the box. So it will pull from NuGet.org, it will pull from uh, these certain places, but ultimately at the end of the day, the way that you want to run your build is your build. I mean, we can't know every single little thing that you want to do differently. So we've kind of pushed back on some of the, the modica- modifications to the bootstrappers. And the, the, the guidance is if you need to modify that, then you own it. It's your bootstrapper. You do, you do what you want with it. So there's been a little bit of backward and forward in that. And some things we've pulled into the bootstrapper that make sense. But ultimately, it's we will provide uh, an example bootstrapper. And we've got it on our list of things to do to provide an example bootstrapper for uh, .NET Core. When you're when you're executing uh, Kate with .NET Core, we don't have that yet. Um, but there are there are examples in the community. We just haven't provided one yet. But at the end of the day, it's your bootstrapper. You own it. You you make it do what you want it to do. Yeah, yeah. And it's funny you bring up the you know the balance of how much stuff and complexity you put into the bootstrapper and Nice. That's actually one thing that I would I was curious to to hear your opinion on. And and something I wonder whenever I'm using any of these, like I use Fake a lot or Cake in some of my projects and. You know, they all have their own sort of default bootstrapper that you get out of the box, and then that's what you check in. But then after that point, if, you know, if Cake evolves and needs to do a bunch of new work, that's not going to automatically show up in the bootstrap files that people have. So I would imagine that that could easily turn into a real evolvability problem for you if you made that too complicated. And that is the the concern that people have had is like, well, how do we keep that bootstrapper up to date? Uh, So the the way that we... um, the way that we consume or let people consume the bootstrappers is it is just a file in a GitHub repository. So you can look at the history, you can see what changed and why. Um, so if you did need to pull in one particular change that's, that's come through, you can always always look at the diff or pull the file down and do a local diff against your one to see what's changed and why. So we're not trying to hide anything. It's just we see it as it, it's an example. Um, and you, if you want to change it, then then you go for it. Like if I see my personal bootstrappers are usually a lot more simpler. I just pass along the arguments to the KKXE. So I mean, <laughs> I think that I think they're too complex, but I see they're they're useful for people that's starting. But I mean, uh, and then the whole like it becomes a whole different ball game. If you talk like I use a lot of containers to build, and then basically we have everything bootstrapped in the container. So we'll have an image with cake ready. So you basically just type cake and it will build. Uh, so I mean, there's different degrees of but you need to get people started in some in an easy way. So that's a good starting point. So I want to move along a little bit to um, the actual cake scripts themselves and what they look like and, and everything. And you mentioned before that, um, you know, there is some extensions for different IDEs and editors. Um, so that, I guess, begs the question, like, what what is cake? Is cake its own language? Is it a variant of C Sharp? Can you explain that? Well, it's basically if you con- compare it to like a console application, it-, it will be like no craft. You have like no product files, you have no solution files, no class or main. So it's very like low ceremony. And like essentially, we want to push it to be 
very self-contained. That's why we have a DSL on top of this. So basically anything you can do in C-sharp, in general you can do in Cake. Plus we add a few other things. So we have a DSL that adds uh, a bunch of like pre-processed directives, uh, like add-in is one directive with, with, which will pull uh, an .NET assembly from a NuGet feed and install it and make it available. Uh, we also have uh, a reference directive that will let you reference a .NET assembly. Uh, we have um, uh, uh, things like uh, for debugging a directive to do break, we have a tool directive to fetch tools from NuGet, uh, uh, all to make like things easier and have the script be self-contained. Um, and this was made, has also made it hard for things like intelligence because we have to add support for those things that aren't regular. But the, the big thing is that you can just start writing C sharp and it will basically work. So you can just write console write line and and be done, but we also provide like the DSL, but upon top of that, we also provide a bunch of APIs. And this is what the ALS is we're talking about. A bunch of wrapped tools that X unit will just be X unit and we have done all the complexities of what arguments to pass to it. You get the strongly typed class if you want to change anything. We have strongly typed things for if it's a file path or a directory path. Uh, so you get a lot for free. You don't need to know the arguments for each tool. We have wrapped things like the MS build, NuGet, the .NET Core CLI, etc. So you get a lot of things in the box. Uh, there's like 200 or more like tools in the box, but also there, there's the whole adding community, which provides, if it isn't available in the box, there's a lot of things that you can get. In terms of the structure of the cake file, though, what we typically have, or what you typically see is at the top of the file, you'll have your preprocessor directives that pulls in any tools and add-ins that you want. Uh, if you're pulling in any uh, arguments from the command line, like maybe you want to specify what your build configuration is, or you want to specify uh, some other uh, piece of information that would be uh, from your, you define some arguments at the top of your built cake script and then in, in the middle you'll have all your task definitions so each you'll, you'll specify that you want to have a clean task in order to set up your directories that you need as part of your build you will have a build a build task <coughs> that would take a dependency on the clean task in order to start chaining things together and that's kind of so the task definitions uh, includes like a, a, a does uh, method that, that's where you put your your c-sharp code and then at the bottom you typically have a, a call to run target so that's you invoking the build at that point so if you passed in a specific uh, task name as a command parameter the run target uh, method is the one that actually kicks off the build and, and makes it work. So you typically see that as a, a single file, like a build.cake file, will have all the task definitions and the chaining, the, the, the dependency graph uh, defined within it. But as it starts to evolve and become more complex, you can actually split that cake file into separate cake files. Um, I've kind of taken that to an extreme with a thing called cake.recipe. Uh, I know that John's had a look at that, uh, and I've been encouraging him to try and get it to use on some of his uh, some of his add-ins. But cake.recipe is essentially, I got to a point where I was doing the same build.cake file in every single project that I was creating. So cake.recipe is a convention-driven set of uh, scripts. So I think it's up to like 20 or 25 uh, cake cake scripts it's kind of split up so I'll have all my versioning stuff in one of them I'll have all my uh, compiling and building in one of them I'll have all my NuGet stuff in another one and then through a, a, a number of conventions I'm running that same 
build across something like 80 different add-in projects that now live in the Cake Contrib organization. Uh, and so the, the, the benefit there is that if I need to add something to the build script, so if, as an example of that, um, as part of my build, I send stuff to uh, coveralls.io for uh, unit test coverage, but then someone wanted to add in, oh, and I've just com- completely forgotten the name of it now, uh, code cover there's another uh, code analysis or, or, or rather another unit test uh, coverage website that you can use it's a competitor to the coveralls.io I, I had to add that in one place in my cake.recipe f- files and then that's immediately available in the, the 80 projects that's using it so the complexity is is how much you want to, to to bring on basically you can have a single cake file you can have multiple cake files uh, it's really up to you so how are you then referencing or, or pulling in those those recipes into those other uh, build setups? Is that done also through preprocessor directives, or how does yeah. that work? So there's the uh, in addition to the ones that Matthias mentioned, there's a, a load preprocessor directive. So originally, when Cake first started, that load was literally for a single Cake file. So if you wanted to reference another Cake file that's on your file system, you can use a load preprocessor directive to bring that in. And what actually happens at that point is it kind of just stitches all of those uh, Cake files into one. So it's essentially like a, uh, an old school, like a, a, an include an include header at the top. So it kind of makes the Cake script into one. Uh, we then extended the load preprocessor directive to accept uh, a NuGet package, and that NuGet package can contain a bunch of scripts. So what I do is I create and publish cake.recipe as a NuGet package, and then I have what I refer to as a, uh, a setup.cake file, which is just a very, very small cake script that all it does is it does a load preprocessor directive to pull that uh, uh, and you get packaged with all the content scripts down into it, and then I have a, uh, some setup. So I, I specify that for this build, I want to use this version of MS Build. I want to use this parameter. I want to use this tool, that sort of stuff. And then I just run the build. So the actual cake script in the project is really, really small, uh, but it just pulls down the, 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 the latest version. At the minute, I'm pushing cake.recipe because it's kind of in... Uh, it's in transit. There's a lot of stuff happening to it just now. I just push it to my get every time we do a build. And currently, I'm just pulling the latest version of the mm-hmm. Kate the Recipe into, uh, to, into those builds because we're, we're in, they're in transition. But ultimately, I'll fix the version number so that the build will be a known quantity. And once I get it to a point, I'm happy with it. Yeah, yeah it's and, dangerous and cool, otherwise. <laughs> yeah, and the cool part is that actually the environment can affect what it does too. So basically, if we're running like a pull request, it will do this. If you run uh, like on the master branch, it will do that. So you can basically, the whole convention thing does that. Uh, like you publish to NuGet if it's the master branch, you publish to MyGet if it's the development branch, uh, and things like that. And it will just be a convention because most build scripts have just a few variables that differ. Uh, of course, there are like exceptions, but many, like if you have a console application or a mobile application or something, you will, in general, have the similar build steps. And yeah. you can always hook in extra build steps. So because you have that setup cake file, you can just define a new task and add a dependency. Uh, and then you can add, like, if you have something special for that case, but then you just do the exception. You, everything else is standard. And we like when you have, if you use the same thing. It's reproducible, and you get to know what's happening. And, and from our community point of view, essentially an add-in, once you've written an add-in, the build process for that add-in is the same or almost exactly the same for every other add-in. And there, there's some nuances to it, but once we once we opened up KateContra, maybe I should say what KateContra is. So the KateContra organization, uh, we, we kind of started that as we saw... 
mm, how, how, how low do I want to go with this? So we, we've got a very active Kate community. Um, but um, what we found was that uh, some uh, maintainers would come and go and you'd, it'd be hard to get in touch with them. Uh, John <laughs> waving there. Um, uh, and then the other extreme is we actually had, uh, unfortunately, one maintainer died. Um, and the, the NuGet package that he created uh, wasn't owned at that point by anyone else other than him. So we reached out to NuGet to try and uh, allow. Uh, we, so we've now got a Kate Contrib user on NuGet. And we reached out to NuGet to try and uh, get ownership of that package so that it wasn't like dilution of the, the ecosystem. So the package ID would remain the same. So NuGet thankfully allowed us to do that. But they've now established a policy where <coughs> uh, you can't take ownership of a package unless you have, like, you're included in the last will and testament of the person or you've got the next of kin all that sort of stuff. So what we encourage people to do is as soon as a new add-in is an added to the community or added or pushed to newgate.org, we, we ask, and normally it's me because I'm uh, annoying people about it, but uh, we'll ask them to add the Cake uh, Contrib user as a co-owner of that package so that if they need to step away or something unfortunate happens to them, there's continuity of that package. And we've started doing the same thing with the GitHub repositories as well. So We've got no problem with people having owning the repositories and uh, doing their own thing. Not a problem at all. Um, but if they want to, they can also bring it into the Kate Contrib organization on GitHub. Uh, so we give people the exact same. Uh, John's gone through this uh, uh, experience just recently with his Cake.File helpers add-in, which is the most uh, downloaded Cake add-in that there is out there. <laughs> it's a very, very popular one. So that process is literally uh, transfer the repository into the organization. I then give uh, the person the exact same ownership rights that they had before. They're not losing anything, but they are kind of losing their their own um, ownership of that package. But they're still the maintainer. We still want people to develop those and, and, and continue to work on them. But it's done under the ecosystem so that if they do need to step away, then, again, there's continuity of uh, that package uh, going forward. So, yeah, yeah. That, that's kind of where it came from. That's interesting. And things you don't necessarily think of up front when you're starting a new open source project, right? <laughs> that's it. That's it. I mean, it is something that's evolved and it, we've kind of taken some guidance from some other big projects that are out there and they've kind of gone through the steps themselves. Um, John kind of said the same about some of the Xamarin components things, how they're maintained. We kind of took some guidance from that. And I think, or I like to think we've established a, a, a good ecosystem that uh, people can uh, build on and want to be a member of. Um, we're very active. The, 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 the Cake Gitter channel is very active, and it's getting it's going to the point now where we don't we as the core maintainers don't have to be in there as much because there's other people within the community that are able to answer questions and help out and all that sort of stuff. So it's it's great to see that from a development point of view as well. Yeah, it's awesome. Has there been any thought to to pulling Cake into say the .NET Foundation or anything like that to to elevate that stuff to I guess another level there? Well, we actually are a member of the .NET oh. Foundation. Well, then that was a dumb uh, question. I totally missed well, that. It's, <laughs> well, it's an excellent question because I think for an open source project, one of the best things you can do is to get a team, even if they're not active, like just because you can be hit by a bus or things like that. So it's, it's actually like it's good. Well, it's also like good to have people to vent with. Like even if you have two different projects, find someone you can talk to <laughs> because the community is the community and sometimes you need to <laughs> discuss what to do and uh, things like that. And also like the whole... Ensure, like, if you have something that gains traction, you don't want it to be a burden. You want to, uh, someone to be able to help you and uh, to ensure the longevity and stewardship of the project. Uh, and, I mean, 
the main thing for us with Dotnet Foundation, they go in exactly as the K-Country, they go in as, like, they don't control anything. We still, we, like, to take, like, the copyright and legal support, which we don't want to have with the whole legal team, they will help us, but they don't take control of the project. It's still us as maintainers that control the project. Yeah. Um, but it also makes, like, it's also a nice stamp because it makes like it, it's a credible open source project that you know will be around. So I mean, it's just not like it's just not one person in like that maintains product. It's it's five people that maintain product, and we have the foundation backing us with resources and things like that and legal things if it was. So they like gave us like so we have a CLA bot. If someone submits a pull request, they they will sign off that commit. Uh, so we know like. They transfer the ownership of the code and things, uh, things like that that people often don't think about, like have a license, have a contributing markdown file in your yeah. repository and all that. So they, they don't, that's, I mean, just to provide like a good ecosystem and help people to do the right thing. Yeah. Cool. So taking a step back a little bit, back towards the, the technical side of things, um, like I sort of tying into to something you were talking about a little while ago, like one thing that, that I do think is worth sort of digging into is is the what you were talking about around conventions and in different environments that you run these scripts under. Like, you know, just using the the most obvious sort of example, like one of the one of the biggest advantages to me of having build systems like Cake and Fake and whatnot is that you get fully locally reproducible builds and you don't have all this mystery when you go off to Team City or Jenkins or App Bay or what have you of, you know, what the hell is it doing out there? Why is it failing? Um, but there are sort of differences between those environments still between, you know, how it's going to, how you can pick up, say, the branch you're running on or, you know, things like that. So, like, how, as a developer that's starting to use Cake, like, What's the the best way to approach sort of accounting for those differences so that you can do as much as possible locally? Well, there are a few alternatives. There are some things we have like ready APIs for. We have for many of the like known build systems like AppWare and Bitrise and uh, Visual Studio Online. We have known wrappers to pick up things like current branch or commit ID or build number or if you're actually running under that build system. Uh, but if, like almost all build systems also work with environment variables. So if it's a build system that is unknown for Cake, you can always opt to use things like command line arguments to the script or environment variables. And often that's like the, the way to, you can control uh, things like API keys and things that that will come from an environment variable, and then you can control. Well, if I don't have the API key, then I won't do the new get push task. And you can have that as a criteria to the task. If I have these scenarios, like am I on the master branch? Well, then I will do the new get task. Uh, um, and we also have, uh, like, if you want something that's cross environment, we also have add-ins for things like Git. So you can basically put in a Git add-in, and then we will have a common convention or way mm. to pick up the current branch. Uh, but I mean, uh, but it can still be uh, things where a build system checks out in a way that you don't have a branch, and then you will need to check it there by way. But I mean, the good part is that you don't need to have separate build definitions for each build system. Like Cake itself, we currently build each merge on 12 different build systems with the same build mm -hmm. script. Uh, and the only like only thing usually you need to change is like small entry points and uh, like and criteria here and there. But you don't need to recreate the whole build definition for each build system. Uh, also like a big win is for something like the build script is versioned with your code. And so basically you can see what 
build definition, build this code. You will have that version with your repository. That's also a big advantage, uh, I think. And the whole, you can debug the build locally. We have support for if you pass like the, a debug argument to the KKXE, we will generate a PDB because it is compiled code. And then you can basically attach to that process in Visual Studio or Visual Studio Code, and you can single step in your build script. Uh, and that's something that's very hard with uh, if you have some uh, like remote agent or things that uh, just find the hard things. Uh, and often you do that with integration tests because if you just set up the environment variables needed for that build system, you can test everything. Uh, it's just for your environment and you can debug it local and see, oh, there was, this was the issue or this wasn't set or something like that. So I think it's, it's really powerful that way. And uh, as we have like made complex talks simple, but we provide like API, like it's just a C-sharp method to do uh, MS build. Then we have made things a one-liner that could be like five lines of batch scripts. Uh, and I think that's like the big thing that this will be the same C-sharp script, regardless if you're on a Mac, Linux or Windows. Uh, it's a big win because many, like even if you go to Microsoft repositories on uh, GitHub, you will see, oh, there's a build.bat and there's mm -hmm. a build.sh and they basically duplicate each other. Uh, but our build.ps1 or build.sh is just a bootstrapper for the cake script. So we'll have the same build definition regardless of environment and platform. I think that's in, in, like, and that makes like, you don't need to have things in sync. The bootstrapper you usually write once and then forget about it. It's like the cake script is was alive in your book. And just to extend on that slightly, so from a running locally point of view and executing on a build server point of view, uh, Matthias kind of touched on this, just to extend on it slightly, every task definition within a cake file can have a set of criteria associated with it. So there are certain tasks that you only want to do when you're in a position to do something. So what I mean by that is if you're at a deployment stage or you're at a release stage, you're not going to do that if you're running locally. So on a criteria, you can specify, are you running on, say, AppFair, or are you running on Team City? And if you are, you can then take those additional tasks, or you can do those additional tasks that you wouldn't do if you were running locally. So your local build might get you up to a point where you create the new get package, or you create the chocolatey package. And then when you're running on your uh, CI system, you can then take those generated new get packages and push them somewhere. So what we tend to do, so Matthias said, we've got like uh, 12 different CI servers that we run uh, Cake on. So we build Cake with Cake on 12 different CI servers, but we've chosen uh, AppVare as our primary CI server. So what I mean by that is the Cake build will run on all those build servers, but it's only the AppVare build that will do the actual push of the generated packages to uh, MyGet and then ultimately to NewGet and then ultimately to Chocolatey and Homebrew and all those other places that we kind of push to. So from that point of view, you get full ownership of the build, but it's this, uh, again, it's the same build running locally. And that's kind of the, the be all and end all. I mean, I, I love Team City, but I also want to run the build locally as well. And I, I love AppVare, but I want the build to run locally so that I can debug it, as Matthias mentioned as well. So from that point of view, it's, the, the, again, the flexibility is there to choose what steps you want to do depending on where the build's actually happening. Absolutely. And I, and I do want to jump back to, to something Matthias mentioned sort of in passing there that, that I, I do think is worth digging into a little bit, which is you mentioning that the ability to just to debug these things, which is, you know, as someone who's been writing build scripts in a variety of languages over the years, like that's always like, you know, the real 
real where the real pain sets in, right? Like something weird happens, you get even in a compiled language like C sharp or F sharp, you know, you just sometimes you just need to step through and, you know, adding a bunch of console write lines kind of sucks at a certain point, especially when you get really deep into some weird build task or something. So, you know, as a developer, what does that story actually look like to to go from I have my cake file with my build tasks and all that to I have some sort of breakpoint where I can actually see what the build is doing. Well, what you essentially do, like we have, the, I mentioned the passing uh, a parameter you can pass to the cake, uh, which is the, like dash dash debug. Uh, and when you pass that, we will generate the PDB like, uh, and all the debugging symbols when we compile the script. Because essentially we're using the same compiler as you do for any C sharp compiler. We're using Roslyn. Um, and that will uh, basically wait for, so we will start the cake process and wait for something to attach to it. So if you launch cake form from Visual Studio, uh, that process, or you attach like, otherwise it will uh, just uh, wait for that debugger to attach, and when it's attached, it will continue running the script. Mm. Uh, we have uh, like a break directive uh, that you can place with basically you just do hashtag break and it will stop on that point. Uh, you can also set in uh, VS Code uh, breakpoints and things like that. Uh, but that's one. But basically, the break directive will just check if the debugger is attached, it will break on that point. Uh, so that's one way. And, and you can also do things like uh, just it's just .NET, so you can just do a debug break to uh, the, the regular debugging, like a diagnostics API. So we all full uh, thing. And that will give you uh, things like you can do variable watching, you can do uh, things, you can't do things like edit and continue because it's we don't support <laughs> that, but 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 you will get the whole, because the problem is if you do a bunch of console write lines, the object you do right now might not have a two string, so it makes there say class or object or if and you, you got to do it all over again. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so so that could be one, but I mean, but it's usually uh, edge cases because I think one big thing with uh, like when you have a script that it does run, you should have good logging anyways because it's like usually you almost like. Debugging is the last resort, like the single stepping and things, because usually you want to provide enough information in your like build scripts, and that we have verbosity aware uh, logging commands you can use. Where so you have like information and debug and things that you can pass a string to and debug or pass anything basically to and debug. So, so I mean, if you want, often you learn that when you have a failure. At I really want this information when it fails, but you also don't want sensitive information. And that can be a good thing. If you have sensitive information, it could be good to single step through it because you don't mm -hmm. want to log that to your public FIR account or something like that. Uh, and that can be also a good notion because the tools that we wrap will automost, uh, like automatically mask things. So if you launch Cake, you can launch it with different repository levels. So if you launch it with like the most robust level, which is diagnostic. Then we will print uh, things like, how do we launch the tools, the full command line, but we will mask sensitive stuff. So things like NuGet API keys will, so like if they've done the things like the cake way, they will be masked. And that's also good, like, uh, way to do, but uh, so you can have like, and that's often what something we do, like when we have a published build, then we will can raise the verbosity for that build when we do a, a, like a deployment pipeline. But for the regular PRs, we might have like a lower verbosity because then we just like, it failed and this unit test was the worst failed. But when you do something that's you don't do as often, like a release build, then we can raise the verbosity. And that's like the whole that the environment can control what we do. 
So just to extend on that, so what I want to pick up on is the debugging experience on Cake is really quite good, but there are some complexities to it. So I, I, I want to kind of cover those just a little bit so that people aren't uh, put off by it. So <laughs> the debugging experience is probably best in Visual Studio Code. So what I mean by that is uh, in the soon-to-be-released Visual Studio Code extension, uh, we have some commands that will essentially let you open a folder, download all the debug dependencies, it'll generate a sample build.cake file. Uh, you can literally go into it, hit F9 in one of the, the lines in there, and hit F5 within Visual Studio Code, and it will start the debugger, and it will break on that line. Job done. The experience in Visual Studio isn't quite as good, because there's no mechanism currently to um, uh, attach the debugger automatically. So what, what the experience looks like in Visual Studio is that the, the dash dash debug uh, flag will be passed in, and then it'll literally print to the command line, or to the output window rather, uh, please attach to this process ID. So at that point, you then have to go attach the process, uh, pick that number, and then at that point, the debugging process continues. The other complexity is that if you're debugging with, with the out-of-the-box experience in Visual Studio Code, you can't use any add-ins that aren't compiled for .NET Core. So th that's because the debugger within Visual Studio Code out of the box is using .NET Core, the .NET Core debugger. So all of the add-ins that you pull in have to be compiled for .NET Core. So if you have got add-ins that use the full framework version of the, the add-in, you at the minute, again, out of the box, have to use Visual Studio to do the debugging. But in the next, or, or rather in version 0.22 of Cake, uh, things changed, and I know that uh, John's played with this, is you can now use the mono debugger within Visual Studio Code. So if you do have add-ins that are targeting full framework, you can still do the debugging experience in Visual Studio Code because you can use the mono debugger. But out of the box, our extension kind of guides you down the path of using the .NET Core version of Cake as opposed to uh, the, uh, or rather the .NET Core debugger uh, rather than the mono debugger. And that's something that we're going to make an optional one, but the the one that makes most sense, I think, from a debugging experience in Visual Studio Code is to use a .NET Core uh, debugger, but guys like John who need that uh, full experience will have that option. There's just maybe a couple of extra hoops to jump through to get to it, but um, we're, we're trying to make the experience as uh, fluid and easy as possible. But like I say, the, the demo that I like to give is open up Visual Studio Code, uh, use one of the commands to literally create a sample build.cake file, download all the dependencies, all the bootstrappers, and hit F5, and you just get an F9. Uh, it, the breakpoint's right there. Um, so that experience is really quite fluid uh, when it's up and running. But like I said, there are some complexities to it, and I just want to warn people uh, mm -hmm. that they're not just going to open up a, a massive build.cake file, and uh, <laughs> things might not just run exactly the way they want it to. So just to be aware of that. And I, I think that speaks to <clears throat> sort of the status of the .NET ecosystem too, where like you know I know you guys support .NET Core, and um, there's support for compiling your you know your add-ins against .NET standard to to get them to work with that. So I think it's uh, I don't know if you want to speak to sort of like the the long-term vision around .NET standard 2.0, and and maybe how that that could unify things into a, a better spot for this kind of stuff? Well, that and everything will be great, I heard. <laughs> I mean, I, but I mean, it's, it's true that currently, if you're a library author, the .NET standard is starting to be in really good shape. So if you like produce NuGet packages and things like that, if you're an application developer, it's still a little bit like what you target is what you target. Like if you target a Netcore app too, you might have issues with assemblies not to like uh, it's better in 2.0 but it, 
essentially the theory was that 1.3 year or 1.6 should work, but we have had issues where people reference other assemblies and the type forward doesn't work. But they have started to sort the whole type forward thing in both like the native version of Mono and .NET Core. Uh, so I think it will be a good place, but there are some like often you're a good place when you just create libraries, but they still like Cake is a, basically a runtime, uh, and we have some issues when you, uh, if you, because then you basically set the target of mm-hmm. like we are a Netcore one one app or we are a Netcore two o or we are full dot net. Uh, like full dot net has been very good at doing type forwarding since one one uh, area, so it's very good to light applications basically and and dot net two o application has been able to run on four six or four seven and you don't know about it because it's just four words long. Uh, that has been a little bit more painful with .NET Core, uh, where we have a basically breaking changes each version of the SDK, and we have to recompile things. And But I think like, .NET Core 2 will start to uh, shape that up, and I think the whole .NET Standard 2 will make that better, because then we can have one target. Currently, add-ins, we need to multi-target, so we'll have one for the desktop framework or mono, and one for like 1.6, which is currently what we target. Uh, but I mean, it will be good in the future, but it's still, <laughs> like, I think, like a library author, you can target .NET Standard 2, and the tooling will do a lot for you. Visual Studio 2017 will do, like, the type forwarding for you and fix all that uh, thing. So, I mean, it will be a good place, but it's... Uh, it's been a little bit complex. Before. You have an open PR for moving uh, Cake in its entirety to uh, .NET Standard 2 as well. So it, yeah. it, it's, it's something that we are looking at. There's a little bit of yak shaving going on to, to make that work. And for us, we, we kind of, although the last two releases, I think, have had breaking changes, we do try to limit the amount of breaking changes that we inflict on people. So we, we don't take, we, we don't do anything rashly or in a hurry we like to take our time which i know can annoy some people but uh when when we look at the number of people that we know are now using cake we also don't want to break people so we always or rather Matthias always um when there's a new version coming out we still recommend that people pin to the specific version of cake and a specific version of the add-ins that they're using that way they've got a fully reproducible build um but at the, the same day that we do a release, there's a flood of conversations on Gitter about things have broken or what's happened, and then we point people to the guidance again to to, to reiterate that. <laughs> but so we have to, we are going to take our time around it and, and make it work. But yeah, the 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 end goal at the minute is to get to NetStandard 2.0, which will ease the the, the job of some uh, add-in developers and just make things. Uh, a little bit more synergy across the board once it's there. Yeah, because, because we try try really hard to not have breaking changes, and there's been very few breaking changes in the cake scripts in themselves. Often it's been things like like add-ins, because if we move to uh, a new version of .NET, the, the add-ins will also need to target a new version of .NET. The script itself, because we compile the script, usually we can take care of all these kind of things, but things that are runtime-specific, those like as any application, like if we need a new version, the add-ins will also need to target a new version. And I think that's where that standard will improve in the future because then we won't target a specific version of the framework; we will target the version of the standard, and that will make things more like more easy cross-platform. 
And if we, if we do change something in from a cake script perspective, we tend to go down the route of uh, using the obsolete flag on certain things. So there have been some times when we've uh, obsoleted an alias that um, we, we don't want or it's been replaced by something else. But we'll go through the process of obsoleting it in one version, keeping it around for the next version, and then ultimately getting rid of it in the, the, the following version. So we like to think that people are reading their build logs and seeing those <laughs> uh, obsolete error messages coming through. But um, we know that that's not always the case. But um, I mean, there's only so much we can do. We want to keep the, the code base uh, clean and tidy as well. So, Is it possible to run Cake with a flag that also flips that MS build treat warnings as errors flag yeah, on so that it, it yeah. could fail your, your build entirely if, if you're yeah, using so, something? So we kind of spoke Actually, around this, but basically the, the, the aliases that we have, they all, all, they all have a settings class that goes along with it. So in the case of MS Build, you have an MS Build settings class, and in there, anything that you could do at the command line for MS Build, you can do uh, as a strongly typed property. Or if you really want to, you can override the arguments completely and hand crank them. But uh, we have extension methods and uh, properties for everything that you can do within uh, MS Build uh, from a command line perspective. So yeah, anything you can do uh, for any tool at the command line, you can do uh, through the cake aliases. It as well. So that's, that's, that's even, kind of one thing I, I yeah I want to highlight a little bit more too because I feel like um, that's what originally drew me to using Cake in the first place was you know there's all these aliases so there's all these helper functions that allow you to do easy things that you would normally do in maybe a make file or you know a bash script and stuff like that. So I don't know if you've got any more favorites that you would call out like things like zipping files and you know, the everything. Yeah, and also like if you have a like common helper method, like we have globbing support, so you can have things like recursive finding all new spec files, and that's usually like things like the recipe cake recipe uses, like find all new specs, create those, and things like that. So we have good globbing, we have good support for cleaning directories, or like so you have no artifacts before you start to build, uh, because like the general build script often is like clean, restore, build, test, publish. That's like almost all scripts are similar to that. Yep. <laughs> uh, and that, like, those conventions we have really good. And then we have, like, all these add-in orders that add easy alias to, like, push to, like, some other service to, like, Xamarin Test Cloud or the simulator or things like that. But that's, like, uh, because that can be, some of those tools are really scary, really, like, the command line parameters or what you need to do. So, and also things like working with Git easily from C Sharp, it's also really nice. Or we have things, add-ins for doing things like Slack notifications for when the build succeeds or not on, or MS Teams. Uh, or So it could be like, you don't want, like add-ins are things that you don't want in every build, but you can have that like buffet of things you can pull into your, like uh, Alistair has done a really cool module. And that's also good. It's like we have, you can either extend cake with add-ins or you can extend it with modules. And the cool thing with modules is that that you can basically replace inner parts of cake before it loads. Basically you put this convention for you place an assembly in this folder structure. And if you do that, you can essentially replace the inners of cake. Uh, I have done that with something called long path. Basically for Windows, we don't support more than 260 characters. <laughs> then you can pull, uh, and that's like the whole, some people don't, but why should I use the cake abstractions instead of system IO? Well, a good point can be that we can replace parts and cover up like the spackle, the things that don't work. We can also do, it also makes things like unit tests of add-ins easier because we have abstractions for uh, already. I mean, 
uh, Alistair did a great add-in that basically notifies build systems. So it will, uh, like the build steps, if you're running under TeamCity, or it will check which build system you're running under, and it will notify what tests are running, what tasks and things. So you can do things like that. So uh, different is like add-ins you can pull in at runtime and modules mm -hmm. you pull in before you start the EXE. So a prime uh, so example of the modules ones as well is that out of the box, we have a module uh, in, included within Cake for doing NuGet re resolution packages. So it, it, as a pre-processor directive, you can literally go uh, add in NuGet and it'll pull that package from NuGet. But a community contributor has extended that. So if you wanted to use Paquette, you can use Paquette to do all of your uh, tool and add-in resolution. So he's literally uh, taken or replaced, not even replaced, he's extended the module system to allow you to have both add-ins that come from NuGet and add-ins that come from Paquette. And they will use the, the, the equivalent tool to do that. Uh, so then I extended it to, because I'm a big fan of chocolatey, and I, I use that all the time for tool installing tools. You can then also do tools and then Choco, and then it'll install a tool and it's from from chocolatey.org. So the extension mechanisms that we have are there for the taking. Basically, you can you can uh, the, the 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 first example that we did, I think it was Patrick did uh, to, as a proof of concept was to write all the log messages backwards. I don't know why you would, <laughs> but it just proved the fact that you could rip out the entire internals of Cake and, and do what you needed to do. So if you wanted all your log messages to go to um, uh, some uh, event store that's lo or Splunk or some of these tools that are all the logs go to one place, you can rip out the internal so that all the logging goes to these places, but the cake script itself doesn't change. So the, yeah. the and I mean, and it's also like a safe, like some if you want to release something out of bound or cake, you can basically often recommend people like do an add-in first, and then we can pull it. Like if it's something more mm. complex, they can do an add-in first. We can like prove is it a good idea, and that's the same like with module. Like if someone would want to do something like download a script from a like a GitHub Gist or something, uh, that's like oh do a module first, and we can test if it's. If it works, and then we can pull it into. Who would want to do that? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And speaking for, speaking from my own experience a little bit to to call back to you know you mentioned the question that you get from people sometimes of like why would I use an alias versus just you know in, you know pulling in system.io and using the file class or directory class and all that for me one of the things that originally really drew me to to fake and things like cake is just that you you know, you can get rid of a lot of that boilerplate code and just have build scripts that end up being really expressive and readable. And, you know, the code that you have there is expressing what you want the build to do, not what C-sharp needs to do to, to make all that happen, right? And especially as over the years, C-sharp gets more and more functional, which to me is great because one of the other things that I get a lot of mileage out of in fake scripts, for example, is say things like pattern matching and stuff that allows really expressive build scripts in just a few lines of code. So getting to use that and really just express what you want the script to do and not worry about all the boilerplate code is a yeah. huge win for me. I think that's a, that's a big part of why uh, John's uh, cake.file helpers is, a, is, is so popular. Because at the end of the day, it's literally just a collection of maybe there's let's say there's 20 aliases contained within there but those aliases those aliases are the the five to six lines of code that you would have to do yep. to do the thing and then in your build script that becomes one line and it's just an alias that says uh 
replace all the text in this file with this stuff. You don't have to worry about the stream readers and the stream writers and all the other gubbins. It, it, it's as you said, it's the the build script becomes an expression of what you're trying to do rather than the the yak shaving you have to do to actually mm-hmm. get it to be done. So um, what we find as well is that some people don't even have the extent of an add-in, but they'll just have a cake, a standalone cake script that's just got a set of uh, helper methods that they, they, they load into the main script, and then they can just reuse those helper methods again and again within the, the main script. So there's, yeah, there's, that, there's lots of ways to do it. Yeah, and that's why it's really useful now that you can package up those as a NuGet package, because we use that heavily at work, because basically we have this, <laughs> like you have the set of common things we do, and then we just package up that as a NuGet package, and you can reference that. And we have powerful things that you can essentially... Uh, do parameters to the NuGet loads. You can actually ex- like exclude and include just the file you want, also if you want. So you can either by default it will pull in all those cake files in NuGet, but you can also cherry pick if you want. So it's really powerful because, like, it's like the Swiss Army knife you have. Like, we always copy files like this, or we always mm-hmm. version like this. Then you can have that set of common things uh, out of the build script. So you don't need to version that with the uh, with the script itself. Yeah. And I think one of the <clears throat> the other big things that drew me to Cake is, the, you know, approaching it from the idea that we needed uh, for my own use to be able to run the same build script on Windows and, and Mac and, you know, p- potentially Linux down the road, too, um, is that <clears throat> Cake uh, sort of abstracts and handles the file system for you as well in terms of uh, path, you know, separators, all of that kind of thing and, and concatenating paths and stuff like that. So, um I don't know if you want to speak a little bit more to that, but that was something I didn't want to forget to kind of throw out there. Yeah, I think it's like we have a typed file path and we have a typed directory path. And basically those give you helper methods like combine with file or combine directories. You can basically, in a typed way where we always get don't like have to care about trailing slashes or is it the forward slash or backslash or like all that will be cross-platform. Uh, and also like, it reduces error because we know like strings are evil because basically people can put anything in. This will normalize and we will know it's a mm. path in that. And that can also give us type methods. We can the alias can take either a directory path or a file path and will that will like you will oh, like automatically know the intent of that function. That oh if assemblies is a file path then we know it's the file. If it's directory path it's probably the assemblies directory or something like it gives you all that things. And we also have things like the whole globbing things. Actually, that will give you a typed collection of globs files. And you can essentially, we provide operator overloading from, so you can basically take one globber pattern and reduce that from another or add it. Uh, and you will get like a unique, so all this like kind of helper things uh, to do. Basically, that your script will just be the intent, not all this yep. junk, no craft. It will be the intent of the build and that's it. You can Absolutely. go as complex as you want, but I mean, you don't need to. <laughs> exactly. Um, and this being a, a mobile-themed show, before we wrap, I want to make sure that we at least try and call out some of the the sort of Xamarin-related add-ons that, that might be out there for, for people that want to use Cake for, for their mobile builds. And I know John is using all sorts of these and probably created them in the first place. Yeah, well, I guess I, I can call out a few of them myself. There, there's like a cake.xamarin, um, which which includes some common uh, aliases to help you do things like um, build your your APK packages and do your UI tests and your test cloud stuff. Um, there's an Xcode one, uh, and I know a few people on my team have helped contribute to, to these as well. Uh, so we've made quite a few by just by nature of needing them. Uh, the latest ones I just updated the other day, there's some Android 
uh, ADB and Android SDK manager. Uh, so mm. pretty much the the sky's the limit in mobile. And I think there's a yeah. couple other community ones out there too. Uh, maybe yeah, that's, that's Jeffrey Hunt. Yeah, hockey app, yeah, yeah. Ho- hockey yeah. app and things. We have the like the IO simulator. We have one for uh, yeah. things like the ADB commands. Uh, there's some uh, all. Uh, I mean, and if you're if something lacking, knock yourself off and couldn't do that. <laughs> like, They're really I easy mean, to make. Yeah. I mean, essentially, it's just an extension method if you boil it down. If you can, uh, it's like we have a convention. If you extend the, like the cake context, you're home. And it's a few attributes. Uh, so, and I mean, it's not limited to that because you can, through the add interactive, pull in any .NET assembly. The only thing that you have to add, like the using statements and a fully qualified name to the type and things like that. But it's just C sharp, so you can do that. But it it's nice to have like the just a global available method that's just I do MS build file name done. And how does how does Cake sort of evolve with as new versions of C sharp come out and versions of the compiler and stuff come out, especially now that the C sharp team is iterating a whole lot faster with minor releases than they used to? Well well before like current now we are unified around Roslyn. So basically we currently on the latest version of Roslyn. So that's a big win for us. Currently, yeah. we had to deal with a mono-compiler and a C-sharp, like the Roslyn compiler. Now we have full c 7 support. So you can do the pattern matches, matchings and switches, and you can do things like uh, local outs and all that nice thing. Uh, with a Cake version 20, like 0.23 we released yesterday, we have full async support. So you can do async tasks. Uh, so we are pretty good shape there with the things. Uh, along to tooling, like we don't replace the build pipeline with tooling. We like orchestrate them. So you can just use MS Build, uh, like the underlying tool. All we do is provide a nice C sharp API for the tools. Uh, you can still use the X unit runner of your choice or the MS test or what you say. We we or, like so. I mean, it's very easy for us to tag along. The, the hard part of something like with when you like want to run on a certain runtime that we don't know about. That will mm. sometimes take uh, like uh, like it's a, in a way a shame like the .NET Core 1.0 app can't run on .NET Core 2.0. You have to recompile that. But I, I think that will be better in the future. Uh, but that's the, like the, the script itself and the tooling itself that will like if the tool exists you can execute it. And you can always fall back to just checking an IRF manual or starting process because we provide aliases for starting a process too. So if like and now there is an add-in for npm, but if it wasn't, you could probably just shell out to that npm thing and install it. So you can always have like anything you can do in .NET, you can do in Cake. So you you can always like uh, you have a, a get out of Yale free card in that sense. <laughs> cool, and you know I could probably talk about build systems all day, and I, I've actually been known to talk about build systems for for longer than I should probably. But but we're kind of coming up on the the end of our time for this episode, but. Uh, before we wrap, um, what would you say is sort of what, what's up next for Cake? Like, what's in the the short term or medium term roadmap? That's kind of uh, you know other than you know the .NET standard stuff that you were kind of alluding to earlier. Like, what can you what can developers expect? Well, that's like the big part is unifying, and then we're done now. So now we get like get the same experience across all platforms. That, that's like the last thing we done. Now we support async in the latest release. Uh, we, you could do async before, we use, but now it's a lot easier. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the whole thing, like being able to, I'm sitting a lot with uh, providing uh, containers. You have ready like 
the people that build uh, on uh, container things, we will have ready official cake containers that you can basically just do uh, like a Docker pull and have your things built. Uh, so that's one thing uh, we're doing to have like the whole, we're trying to refine our tooling. So, uh, I mean, also to provide IntelliSense, that's the whole like OmniShark plugin we're working on. Uh, so I think we are in a pretty good place already. It's with have like a couple of years experience now and we have <laughs> a couple like we have more than a million downloads now okay which is really cool uh, so it's all about refining the experience making it to run on more places or more seamless uh, getting a better debugging experience and so i think it's a lot about refining but the big part next time is the dotnet core 02 thing to get store, support that is one thing and any like new tool microsoft will throw at us because that's <laughs> that's that's been like the hard part because I've been around the .NET course and the like the KRA, the like Project K uh, early on, and it has been breaking changes each version. And now I feel it's starting to stabilize. Yeah. Uh, and that will be, it's much easier to do tooling around stable products because that was one thing we have to use the obsolete thing because the .NET core CLI isn't the same because they dropped Project JSON and the CSPRO thing. And uh, so, but I think that feels like they start to like the .NET ecosystem is starting to stabilize, and that will make it a lot easier to do tooling. So I mean, we will do a lot of like more incremental changes now to improve the experience, and we take a lot of community contributions. Like the, this, like I tweeted like a couple of days ago, uh, an image of all people that are coming, and they're like. There's a lot of people now. This like <laughs> when you have, it's real fun with open source projects when you have hundreds of people contributing something. Like if if there's some need, uh, like at least create an add in or bring it to us. And I mean, raise an issue, and there could be something that we haven't thought about, or it could be a good need. But I mean, I think that's the now it's refinement, getting like to work the same across all and remove hassles like you should be able to to reference the .NET 2 standard uh, assembly and it should just work uh, and I think that's like the big part of cake in general it's been a really good experience just out of the box you run the XE and it just works uh, there's a lot of craft to get things cross-platform uh, and we have like ironed we have like that thing we have made a lot easier for people and we continue to make that a lot easier regardless if you're running in a container or running on the build server or uh, something online it would be good at some point to get to a 1.0 release <laughs> so at the minute we're at uh, 0.23 um, there's a lot to be said for hitting that first uh, major uh, version release as well so once we get to a point that we're happy with the API we're happy with the DSL I think we would like to get to a, a 1.0 release kind of to announce if you like that we're happy and it's stable and and you can take a dependency on it so we're, we're sort of abusing semantic versioning at the minute uh, but we, <laughs> we do try to stick to it so if we do have a breaking change it'll only happen in a, a minor release at the minute um, and we will do hotfix releases as a, as a patch version but um, just kind of getting that sign off as a 1.0 release I think would be the, the next logical step as well so Awesome. Well, guys, thanks for, for taking this much time out of your day to, to chat about this. This is really cool stuff. Um, you know, I'd, like I said, both both myself and John have experience using it, and we can definitely recommend checking it out. It's it's a nice uh, it's a nice tool to have in your belt. Cool. Glad you like it. Yeah. So thank you. Yeah. And thanks for joining us. And thanks again for everyone for listening. And we'll see you next time on Gone Mobile.